0: Hello there I'm Nim and this is a spoonful of medicine topping up your pediatric knowledge one spoonful at a time. This week we're looking at inguinal hernias and hydroceles. It's a common thing that we often come across at a neonatal examination or on a routine checkup so it's always helpful to know how to spot it and what to do. Are you ready? I know I am. Let's go! How about we start with a little bit of embryology? At the three month mark of gestation, the processus vaginalis forms as an outpouching of the peritoneum as the testicle passes through the inguinal ring, inguinal canal, and then into the scrotum. The processus vaginalis itself is later obliterated around the time of birth, except for its most distal part, which ends up forming the tunica vaginalis. And so, it is the continued patency of part or all of the processus vaginalis that leads to hernias and hydroceles in the inguinal region. A widely patent processus vaginalis can lead to a hernia, while a narrow but patent processus vaginalis may cause a communicating hydroceal. In girls, the ovary or fallopian tube may actually enter the patent processus vaginalis and herniate. So, how common are inguinal hernias and hydroceles? When we look at inguinal hernias, the incidence of these is approximately three percent to five percent in term infants, and about thirteen percent in infants born less than thirty-three weeks of gestational age. When we look at hydroceles, a patent processus vaginalis is found in about eighty to ninety percent of term male infants at birth. However, a clinically apparent scrotal is only evident in about 6% of term infants beyond the newborn period. The risk factors for inguinal hernias and hydrosyles include being male with a 10 to 1 ratio of males to females with an inguinal hernia, having ascites, having connective tissue disorder, or being a preterm infant. You're now on a busy postnatal ward, and you're one of the midwives or doctors examining a young neonate. And you think, could they have an inguinal hernia? Inguinal hernias present as an intermittent bulge or lump when the child is crying or straining. They can be brought about by suprapubic pressure, or if the child's a bit older, by getting them to jump about. They can be a palpable, firm mass. That completely disappears with digital pressure, and if they present as a scrotal swelling, you can't get above that swelling. There may be a palpable thickening of the spermatic cord where it crosses the pubic tubercle. This is a silk glove sign. If we compare this to a hydrocele, hydroceles present as diffuse swellings of the hemiscrotum. They tend to be mobile not reducible, and do not extend into the inguinal ring. If it is communicating, they may vary in size during the day as fluid comes in and out of the peritoneal cavity through the patent processus vaginalis. If the hydrocele is not communicating, they may spontaneously, gradually regress. You can try transilluminating a hydrocele. However, know that this is non-specific and it's not fully reliable. A key thing to look out for when examining an inguinal lump is to never miss an incarcerated or strangulated inguinal hernia. Incarceration rates are about 10%, and the highest incidence occurs in the first six months of life, as the patency itself is more narrow. Incarceration is a medical emergency due to the risk of strangulation and subsequent testicular ischemia and bowel perforation. An incarcerated hernia presents as a painful edematous tender bulge in the inguinal canal, and the lump itself is reducible. As blood flow reduces, the hernia becomes strangulated and can cause inst- intestinal obstruction, peritonitis, as well as testicular ischemia. now that we know the what's of inguinal hernias and hydroceles, let's look at the how to's how to manage them in terms of inguinal hernias all inguinal hernias should be surgically managed and this is through a high ligation of the hernial sac or is also known as a herniorraphy. in fact this is one of the most common pediatric surgical procedures it is worthy to note that if the surgery is performed less than 52 weeks from conception, there is an increased risk of post-anesthetic apnea. So these infants need overnight monitoring for apneas. If the hernia is incarcerated, you must try to reduce it. In fact, an incarcerated hernia can almost always be reduced with slow, persistent, bimanual pressure. Note that this is painful so the child may need some sedation. If you can't reduce an incarcerated hernia or you believe it is strangulated, this requires immediate surgery. and urgent referral to paediatric surgery is required. If you are able to reduce an incarcerated hernia, a hernia repair may be delayed for 24 to 48 hours until the edema of the sac itself subsides. What about the contralateral side? Most will simply observe the other side to assess whether a hernia will develop, because 30% will have an affected contralateral side, but this does reduce with age. You can perform diagnostic laparoscopies when fixing an affected side or if the child was premature, or if they have already had an incarceration. In terms of complications, the surgery itself does raise risk for damage to the vas deferens and the testicular vessels. And there also is a risk of recurrence of an inguinal hernia, but that is less than 1%. How about hydroceles? Well, most neonatal hydroceles will resolve within the first one to two years of life. Only if they persist more than a year of age, or develop later, or are bothersome to the child, they are probably unlikely to resolve, and can be electively repaired. It's time for a recap. Let's compare hydroceles and inguinal hernias. Hydroceles mostly occur less than one year of age while reducible inguinal hernias can present at any age but are more frequently in the infant period the child themselves are overall well unless the hernia itself is incarcerated or strangulated hydroceles and uncomplicated inguinal hernias are not painful and they both are not tender hydroceles may have some fluctuation in the size if they are communicating Hernias can protrude and then reduce depending on how much the child is straining. Hydroceles usually have a swelling of the scrotum that is diffuse whilst inguinal hernias present as a swelling in the groin with or without scrotal swelling. Hydroceles are round, smooth and mobile and can transilluminate. Inguinal hernias tend to be a little bit more firm, elongate and disappear completely with pressure. Hydrosiles are not reducible, while inguinal hernias are. The abdominal x-ray of a hydrocele would be normal. As for an inguinal hernia, there may be some gas seen in the groin, although x-rays are not required for the evaluation of either of these conditions. In terms of treatment, Hydrocele is a watch and wait approach and only if the hydrocele is not resolved by a year of age or is bothersome to the child will it be managed surgically compared to an inguinal hernia which always requires elective repair. If an inguinal hernia becomes incarcerated or strangulated the urgency is much more and an immediate referral to paediatric surgery is required. And that's been this week's episode of Spoonful of Medicine. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend. For the visual learners out there, head over to our Instagram page at spoonful.of.medicine for a quick summary of today's episode along with some other great educational content. If you would like to get in touch, have a suggestion for a future topic or have heard something that you think needs a correction, please email us on Podcast at gmail.com. As always, it's been a pleasure topping up your paediatric knowledge one spoonful at a time. Catch you at the next episode. But until then, bye.